The Weekly Dish podcast is brought to you by Lakewinds Co-op in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart. There's no membership required to shop at Lakewinds. All are welcome. Check out lakewinds.com, and if you can't make it to a Lakewinds, please visit your local food co-op in the neighborhood near you. Co-ops support local farmers, but also do good in their communities. Hi, it's Stephanie Hansen from The Weekly Dish, and I had an email from a Weekly Dish listener just last week telling me how much he loves Lakewinds Co-op and how much money they've given to the company he works at. We are so lucky to have such generous group of co-op members that shop Lakewinds week in and week out and make all of this happen. Lakewinds Organic Field Fund has given more than $500,000 in grants to more than 60 local sustainable farmers. They donate food to local food shelves each day through their food rescue program with bread, produce, dairy, grocery, and personal care items that all go to our local area food shelves. They also do farm relief. Many small-scale local farmers faced unexpected challenges due to COVID-19, and Lakewinds worked with other organizations to create the Local Emergency Assistance Farmer Fund. Thanks to receiving grants and other local funding, the Local Emergency Assistant Farmer Fund gave more than $300,000 to 47 BIPOC farmers this year and donated 148,930 pounds of produce to hunger relief efforts. Visit your local food co-op to get fresh, delicious food and see how your co-op is doing good in the community. Lakewinds is in Minnetonka, Chanhassen, and Richfield with delivery from Instacart, and you can find more at lakewinds.com. Get my nom, nom, nom on with the mytop. Chicks and we will eat on, eat on the weekly dish. This is the Weekly Dish on my talk 107.1. It's a Weekly Dish morning. It is. It is. It is. It is. We it is December. <laughs> I know. We're moving towards the holiday season. I mean, I know. It feels weird because we didn't have our normal post-show, post-feast show. No, that's and the new... That I'm was a little sad. bag on the station because they allow us to work. But yeah. the new... Uh, it seems like on the holiday weeks... We just and hey, I you know home. if people need time off and I mean it's hard. It's like someone has people, to actually order me time to take time off. <laughs> someone has to actually like remove my job from Excuse me, me in order. We're not having a, a show this weekend, so yeah. you could just stay home. Yeah, that's how it works. Otherwise, I don't take time off. But it was nice, and I think we all had lovely feasts, and I think it was a you know it was an interesting way of doing things. But I don't know. I feel really good about a lot of things. So. I actually watched your feast almost live because you I, were posting. Because and what I was else laughing. was I doing? There was nobody. <laughs> else to talk to and there was one post that you were like i'm crying and dancing at the same time and i was like okay i, I just sent that. that to you personally oh, i don't I think i know. actually posted sorry. that <laughs> sorry i got confused but i i it felt it for you oh i God. felt it for you sorry yeah. no it was hate, it, you hate it when people know you have feelings i know i don't actually allow that either so i work and i you know post that's it so Actually, those are the same things. Um, but I, you know what? I think it was, for a lot of people, bittersweet. And I think in the end, everyone realized that, you know, nobody, everybody felt like they still had something. You know, even if it was different and even if it was shorter or smaller or weirder, at least there was something, yeah, you know? Yeah, for sure. I felt, I, it was funny because we cooked this whole feast and Ellie came and we had a fire outside. Yeah. So she didn't come in the house. We cooked the whole feast and then we packed it up for her and her girlfriend and then her girlfriend's family who were in quarantine and it got all done and the kitchen was a disaster 
And we just kind of slowly rolled into dinner ourselves, just Kurt and I. And by the time I actually got to dinner, I was like, um, I don't really think there's very much turkey left. Wow. We had like given away most All of the turkey. the turkey. So I got what was like left on the cutting board, yeah. which usually is like what you use for soup and which was fine. I could pick out. I mean, I really just wanted that big flap of skin with the dressing attached to it. Yeah. That's what I ate. That's your thing. That was I didn't like whatever turkey was on that flap of skin, that's what I had. Wow. I ate the entire flap, Stephanie. I was kinda ill later. Yeah. Do you know okay. what I'm talking about? I don't know. We stuffed the bird and oh, then you there's this flap so of it's skin. The it's the neck yes. skin. Yeah. And that whole crispy chunk of skin attaches with all of the dressing that's underneath it. Oh. And comes off in like one big crispy brown Yum. fatty, bready. Yum. Yummy mass. Yeah. And that's what I ate. That's uh, Gavin Kaysen's favorite part, too. Oh, ma- really? Yeah. Well, you he know. said that. Yeah, I know. Right? So that's good. I know. I had more. I basically, th- like, threw the last bits of turkey away yesterday. Yeah. Like, it was it the was... last bits on, like, the wing. And, like, I had I had a leg left. I gave my mom a wing and a leg. And I had, you know, we ate through most of the breasts and everything else. But the last bits, and I was like, Saying I can't do it. through the breast is so funny. <laughs> I don't know if it's any different than talking about skin that you're loving. I know. I'm like, I'm a 12 year old boy. I'm talking about skin. Yeah. You're talking about breasts. Yeah. No, it was, it was like, I think that, you know, we like this year, of course, the weirdest part was that we, this was the year we had the biggest bird of all. Like, yeah. I didn't, I don't know how that happened. It's like, it was 22 pounds. So it was a little odd, but we did end up, you know, eating it and passing it around. And so that was lovely. I think that was very, it was good. Um, did you have any side wins? Cause I had one. I no because I didn't have that many. I didn't have that many sides. I had we had mashed potatoes and cream corn, and then we did, you know, I did the. Uh, I guess I really liked the shard with the mushrooms. I did inside a pumpkin ring, like I roasted the pumpkin, and that was great. But that I don't think I would do again on a whole because it was really sort of. I could do three of them and that'd be fine. Yeah. But I don't think I could do like the fifteen normally. And then I had the fennel gratin, which was really delicious. I thought that looked real good. It was so good, but I don't know if I was like. You know, fennel is a lot. Fennel yeah. is very, and so like having a little bit of it was perfect. I don't know. I guess I was sort of feeling like I was okay. I was good with everything, but I didn't like come away being like, "Wow, this is for sure next year." I uh, I was trying to put together a vintagey type recipe because uh, we work with Arks Value Village. Yeah, and I was like, okay. I got to find something for corn and your corn is real good. And I've made your corn too. And it's cream and it's bacon and it's leeks and it's just, it's delicious. Yeah. So I was like, I want just like a, like an old fashioned, what our moms made, like creamed corn. Right. Yeah. So I went to an old cookbook that I had and I found Hubert Humphrey's wife, Muriel's, creamed corn recipe oh and it had a can of creamed corn as one of the ingredients and i was like well i'm not going to do that (laughs) so i went to then patrice johnson's book the Ten Thousand plates and she has a substitute for creamed corn so i made like the roux and the way that she did it and then i used muriel's recipe so you merged and then i put a little of my own spin on it and then i put it in my dance red yeah you know whatever that name of that special pan is that i love so much and topped it with saltines and butter 
Oh, it was good. Oh, good. Real good. So nice. that was fun to that try something win. new. Yeah, just something different, something new. And now we move on. You know, by the way, also, I heard a lot of people loved their Thanksgiving kits that they got from restaurants. I heard, I heard from that a few too. people that they were very happy with them and that it was just I think such people, a huge win. I think a lot of people would like to keep doing that into the future if yeah. restaurants decide to keep doing that. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't. Well, and I will tell you that there is... A lot of them are doing Christmas kits now. And I know that we have a couple questions, you know, about uh, dinner kits for the holidays for, for coming up. And I think that we'll talk a little bit about some of them later in the hour. But then we have, uh, but I'm going to, we're going to try to put a list together. It's just hard, you know, doing those lists is a lot of heavy lifting. Um, but it helps the restaurants and they sell out. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little list next week. Um, I did the uh, Scott Pampoo chicken pop-up this week with chicken and grits at Gastro Truck was where we picked it up. I This is just a small rant. And not really a rant, but a helpful a rant. suggestion. A rant. <clears throat> Many of these restaurants, including like Hi Hi has a box now that you can get. You're doing really cool stuff. You're making these great meals Innovative. and these boxes. Yes. And, and I like want all this food. But it happens so fast, and it's like I have a two-day window to react. I would just like, like, maybe you could do it for like two weeks or a week. You know what I mean? So that by the time I hear about it, I can get it. Because a lot of times, by the time I hear about it, I already have something planned for that night from some other restaurant. And I have like two days to respond. I just feel like some of these things are really great ideas that if you could just give us a couple weeks, we could A, help promote it, B, get it. Well, I mean, to be fair, it sounds like it doesn't matter if we promote it, if they're selling out. You know what I mean? Like, there's a little bit of this. There's one Uh, thing I will tell you that they have small amounts. Like, they're doing these limited runs, and the... The audience is big and it's wonderful that people want to help, but they're selling out because they only have like the capabilities of doing maybe 200. So they can't say like, let's do this for, it's not typical. Just remember that we're not in the typical time. I know. And I, I just want to like the high, high box. I was so like excited about it. I I don't know if it sold out, but I already had a plan during the window. So I was like, oh, it's like, but that's for sale for a week. It's like, it, it's a couple days and I have like uh, some meal plans. I went to the grocery store, you know, like yeah. I got stuff planned. Yeah. But I, hear you. I saw the box and I was like, oh, that looks so great. And then I had the Pampoo chicken box with the grits and the biscuit and it was delicious. And someone was like, oh, where can I get that box? I was like, oh, it's sorry, gone. it's gone. Yeah. And I think that this is a part of being trained for all of us on the different ways in the future. And in fact, we have Jamie Malone coming on to talk about Grand Cafe at the second part of this, this hour. And the, one of the big things is like, how does a restaurant change in all of this and what happens on the other side? And I'm I'm here to say something positive because I kind of <laughs> I don't know if that last thing was negative. I just want to get no. this food and it's hard to get. I I feel like there's a real percolating about change. That's kind of exciting. Yeah. And I've the change that's happened so far has felt sort of like, oh, I feel like maybe and I will talk with Jamie about this, but I feel like we're turning a corner into something that could be kind of magic. Well, I do, too. And I hope that people, you know, I did see one of my friends on Facebook absolutely rip a restaurant apart. And I just because they called because they couldn't access the website for ordering. And so they called and and the person who answered said, we can't take your order over the phone. And they just eviscerated it and it was so 
bizarre to me feeling like it was so self-centering and this person was willing to just trash an entire restaurant because of this one instance where and he didn't he didn't even explain like why she said she couldn't take it if it was a computer overload if there was situations he was just mad because he couldn't have what he wanted and this is the central change that has to happen with dining and guests right now we have to understand we cannot get what we want whenever and however we want it and, and so then moving yeah, forward, which it w- goes right into my rant of why I was ticked. So, so if we not can, ticked, but right. Like but sad. you, you, and you are someone who wants to consume and to help mm-hmm. and support. And so it's all just a movement. If I can say to everybody, let's just take all those things and turn them into instead of frustration and anger on Facebook, turn them into a good thing of channeling forward for support and planning and whatever and grace and yeah, movement. Grace. And speaking of movement and grace, we have Rick Nelson. It's the Cookie Issue, it's the Star the Tribune. Issue. We're going to have him when we come back on the Weekly Dish. Hey everybody, it's Steph March for Common Ground, Minnesota, and I just want to tell you how glad I am that we have a resource for farmers and food and agriculture in Minnesota. We are so lucky. It's one of the biggest things that our state is known for, and sometimes I feel like we don't get a chance to actually talk to farmers and find out what they're doing. And Common Ground, Minnesota is a is is a place on Facebook where you can ask questions about how your food is grown right here from local farmers. These are women who are volunteering their time to answer your questions and to engage in conversations. Plus, they'll show you cute farm pictures of their dogs. I mean, what's better than that? And they post recipes. What could be better than that? Common Ground Minnesota is a resource for you guys, and it's all volunteer-led. And I just encourage everybody, if you're curious about your food and where it comes from and the farming that is going on in Minnesota, you want to get to Common Ground Minnesota on Facebook. Rick Nelson, it's like we had the perfect music to welcome you to the show. <laughs> Hello, I was singing friend. along, and I was hoping that you weren't going to catch me. Oh, you know. You're like, you're like the cookie elf of all times at this point. I feel like that's your new designator. <laughs> as long as I don't have to wear the hat. Oh, oh yes. <laughs> don't wear hats, yeah. Uh, Rick Nelson from the Star Tribune. Uh, just every year we are so delighted to feature the homemade holiday Star Tribune holiday cookie contest. Rick, this cookie is creating quite the stir because it's a bar. <laughs> Which is not controversial. Right? I mean, particularly in Minnesota, the the home of the bar cookie, right? right. I mean, we didn't, we, it didn't even occur to us when we were judging it that this would be, that people would have an issue with this. Well, in especially because you've had, had bars before. Like, that's my big thing. Yes. Like, why are we getting all upset now? Remember <laughs> the other bars? <laughs> it is we funny. We've had bars that have won before. Yes! In fact, it's one, of my, it's one of my favorite recipes. It's called Almond Triangles. You can find the recipe at startribune.com slash cookies. I make it almost every year. It's that good. And I think I, and I know I'll be making this one uh, every every year as well because it's that good. So tell us about what is the winning recipe. Let's just, I mean, we don't need to drum roll it because it's out there, but tell us about it. <laughs> uh, it's called Spumoni Squares, and it's basically uh, it, well, it's a bar cookie, and um, it's basically kind of an almond shortbread crust that's topped with chopped fruits and nuts. And then it has kind of a honey and citrus glaze that you pour over the top of it after you take it out of the oven. And it's fantastic. I, you brought me some to my house, which thank you, by the way. Uh, I really worked hard to make sure that Stephanie got one. <laughs> and Craig, I did. I got one. I ate. I'm pleased to hear that. I ate so many of them. And I was obsessed with the cookie. And then a friend of mine sent me a picture that they were selling them at Lunds and Byerly's. 
Right. Lunch and Barley's is a sponsor of our contest this year. And they decided that because it was a bar cookie, it's something that they could manufacture and distribute to all of their stores. So they're doing it while supplies last. Okay. Which I think is really cool. For the people who don't want to bake, um, they can have a crack at this cookie as well. It was genius. This is I genius marketing. I got to tell you. <laughs> I went to Lunds and Barley's and I bought two of them and brought them in for Lori, uh, Lori and Julia yesterday. It's, uh, it's really delicious. My only complaint if I was going to have a complaint and it's actually, I wish that it was called, was not called Spumoni squares because I think it might deter people from people who don't like Spumoni. Yeah. And it's like one of the best cookies I've ever had. I loved it so yeah, much. It's, it's really amazing. What, and one of the things that I love about it is that the winner, uh, the woman who baked this, her name is Joanne Holtmeyer. Uh, she lives in Edina. Um, this is the fourth time she's been in our contest, and every year she's come up with a really great cookie. And this year, I mean, it, you know, there was no way that this was not going to win. It was that good. Um, and she's always had a little bit of liquor in every, or booze in every one of her recipes. This one has like an orange liqueur, like a you know Grand Marnier or something. Um, and I've always loved that little touch that she's had with her recipes. Yeah, it was really quite good. Uh, do you want to talk about some of the other uh, favorites? I thought the new scenic cookie that kind of looked like a cinnamon roll was pretty. That's a really great cookie, too, with a great story. It's by Gwen Goldsmith of Minneapolis. And she and her husband make a trip up to Duluth a couple of times a year. And they always go to the new scenic cafe, which is like, you know, what everyone should do when they go to Duluth. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and one of the appetizers there is a fig and walnut and um, uh, blue cheese appetizer. And while she was eating, I was thinking, this could be a really interesting cookie. And so she made it into a, you know, kind of a roll refrigerator cookie, a slice and bake. And it's really great. And it's the kind of cookie that you could put on a cheese plate or you could just have, you know, on a cookie plate. It's really versatile and really interesting. Um, another one that I really love is because I don't know about you, but I love meringues. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I love when a I meringue. A, when I was a kid, my mother always made meringues. I was the only one who liked them, and she always made them just for me, and it made me feel really special. Oh. Um, uh, a woman named Zia McNeil in Maple Grove, She um, she's a really active cookie baker, and she came up with this recipe. She's always loved chai, and so she you know, uh, created kind of a chai blend that she always uses and incorporated it into a meringue, and, and they're really great. They're it's a beautiful flavor, and they're, they're, they're really kind of dry and you know, kind of melt-in-your-mouth meringue. So good. Yum. Really, really great. I, I think I'll be making those this weekend, too. That's a good idea. Um, yeah. Yeah, another one, and we've had we've had a no bake recipe before, which we were really worried about. And as it turns out, that year, um, every year we have an event uh, in our in our headquarters where people can come and taste all five of our cookies, and we have a contest where you know vote on the favorite cookie that you liked. And um, that no bake cookie was not the winner that year, but it was a finalist. It was the crowd pleasing winner that year, and we were like, oh my god, people love the no bake. Um, so this year we have another no bacon here. It's a chocolate salami, and it really looks like salami. It does. It's, it's kind of freaky, you know? but it's <laughs> awesome looking. <laughs> and it was one of the one of our judges was like, I, I can't eat this because I just can't. It just looks too much like salami. It's like, meat. Hey, it's a chocolate. meat cookie. <laughs> Maybe it can go for the paleo set. That would be great. Right. <laughs> if it didn't have butter, the the, the, uh, the herbivorous butcher would be selling it at their counter. Totally. Right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then the last one is also, I mean, I have to say this year, I think these five recipes are the best five recipes we've ever published. And I think that's in part because 
what are people doing? Everybody's at home. We're all basic. Yeah. And, you know, the, we, we had 305 entries this year, which is the most we've had in years. And all of those entries, so many of them were so good and so interesting. We had a really difficult time judging this year because we had so many fantastic entries. And this is a really great example. It's called the Cinnamon Cookie Butter Sandwich Cookie. And it's by Annette Gustafson of Maple Grove. And it's based, she fell in love with... Um, Cookie butter, you know, Biscoff yeah, cookie butter. Yes. And she, she was like, how can I put this into a cookie? And so she made a sandwich cookie with the filling is basically a Biscoff cookie butter cream filling. And then she puts a lot of cinnamon in it. It's really, really good. Yum. It looks good. It looks like a, a Girl Scout cookie peanut butter sandwich. Yeah. Kind of, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, Rick, what do you think? This that- year's going to be hard because we don't, we're not going to have the cookie swaps. I think that we. Our right. cookie swap is already my, our ladies, Stephanie Marches included, they're duds. They're like, well, we don't want to eat any cookies. We've eaten enough during the pandemic. <laughs> well, I mean, but we're not really supposed to like all gather in the I same house. Like, and I know, everything but else. I thought we could at least like drop them off at everyone's house and do a cookie drop. And they were like, no, no. Nobody needs a six dozen cookies in their house. <laughs> okay. Well, what do you recommend, you to, Rick? I mean, how? What do you think is the right way to handle this cookie thing? Well, for me, you know, I'm not in a cookie exchange, and but I'm going to do a ton of baking this year, and that's what people are getting as presents this year for me. So, all the people, like all my nieces and nephews, uh, you know, I, the people who I think will actually eat cookies, um, they're all going to get a lot of cookies. That's and the it. People who don't want them. They can just say thank you very much and then throw them away and then never tell me. I don't care. Yeah, or give them to the neighbors. <laughs> yes. Give yes. them to the neighbors. I, yeah, you know, I have a little there. habit. There's a little uh, AA meeting that meets up my street, you know, and quite honestly. Like the real AA? Yeah. Okay. And there's, they're, they're, they're in this little converted church and I drop cookies at their doorstep before, like, you know, their meeting sometimes. Like because there's just a dearth of cookies and I know that there's people who need to eat some. And you know what? I'll just eat them if they're in the house. I, know. I mean, I really will. It's so bad. Rick, I'm shocked you're not um, part of a cookie exchange. I feel like you should join ours. <laughs> oh, I should. What do you think? That would be fun. You know, you know, the thing is, by the time we get to uh, publishing this, I've baked so many cookies that I'm a little bit over it. But in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to ramp back up. And yeah. The week before Christmas, I'm going to bake like crazy. Well, Rick, just, I mean, our cookie exchange involves a little bit of drinking, a it's, little bit of dancing. No. It might be Lori and Julia. There's and a few us appetizers. And, yeah. yeah. So you could you could come I for the first part and bow out gracefully if you need to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm worried our cookie exchange is going to die after this. I don't think it is. Hey, pimp your book, Rick, because the book is literally so good. Oh, thanks. Well, so we uh, we created a book two years ago, the Great Minnesota Cookie Book, and it's the first 15 years of our 18-year contest. It has about 75 recipes, and you can find it in almost any local bookstore and at starttobeam.com slash shopping. Great awesome. gift item. Thanks for being here, Rick, thanks, and thanks Rick. for doing this. Thanks. It's so nice to hear your voices. Happy holidays. Yes, happy holidays. Happy holidays. The delicious Bamoni. Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen from The Weekly Dish. And you may remember that I just sold my townhome in St. Paul and moved to Golden Valley. I did that with the help of Carrie Elkst and Sue Durfee from Remax Results. You guys, they were so responsive and easy to work with. They were straightforward and they were really respectful when I was working with them. If Kurt and I would have different opinions, and we did, they would inject what they thought would be the best thing for both of us and help us really find the best house that would meet both of our needs. 
they're not a big team, but they provide very personal service. And each time you go through a home, you're going to deal with either Carrie or Sue directly. They don't hand you off to someone else and they walk you through the entire process. Sue Durfee has over 20 years in real estate and has been voted best super agent by Minneapolis St. Paul Magazine many times. And I've known Carrie Alks personally for many years. Carrie's responsive, has great judgment, and is so trustworthy. Honestly, I just had a great experience and I wanted you to know about it because buying a house is a big purchase and who you buy it with really can matter. So find Carrie Elkst, C-A-R-R-I-E, and Sue Durfee at CarrieAndSue.com if you're buying or selling a house. That's Carrie and Sue at CarrieAndSue.com from Remax Results. Hey everybody, welcome back to Weekly Dish. We are so glad that you could join us today on this very festive and uh, it's the first Saturday of December, which is kind of big, actually. It is, because it's going to be a big, like, it would be a big shopping day, right? right. We'll be talking about all the holiday markets. I know, and... it's so weird not to have markets, but we are going to do a lot of gift highlighting you guys uh, over the next couple of weeks with local, we're going to focus local, local, local. And I know that you guys are all very focused on local takeout. So, you know, and supporting restaurants because we did have kind of a tough week and we wanted to bring on Jamie Malone from Grand Cafe to talk a little bit about what's going on. Jamie, are you there? I'm here. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm good. Good. So we had some we had some news this week that kind of freaked a lot of people out (laughs) that, you know, that, that. I mean, like, wow, on a Monday morning, right? That kind of hit everybody right in the square. I was just like, thud. I know. (laughs) And it was a little tough to hear that Grand Cafe was not going to be at the Grand Cafe spot anymore. Um, But tell us a little bit about what's going on with you guys. Yeah. Well, we have been doing meal kits from since the end of March. Um, So we've got seven months under our belt, and we're still doing them. We're really enjoying it. Uh, we have been using our other restaurant, Eastside, as a commissary kitchen the whole time because it's a huge space, and so we can keep our teams separated, which, you know, it's great to do high volume, but the more sales we do, the harder it gets, especially in a small space. So that was the decision we made early on. Uh, so actually for us, not much is changing um, post pandemic we will be looking for a new spot but i think that's a great thing because the whole landscape of restaurants are going to change no one is going to go to restaurants as they were before and i don't think very many people are going to run restaurants as they were before which is also a good thing uh so we're excited to find something a little smaller and a little more perfect for what we want to do do you think that we were talking about like all these iterations of boxes and you guys, what you're doing with your takeout where it's not just a meal. And when I say just a meal, like that makes it seem like your meal isn't exceptional and it is. <laughs> However, you add like the touches of home that make this an elevated experience. Do you think that there'll be more of that type of thing on the other side of the pandemic, more experiences as it were? I think so. I think most chef-driven restaurants you eat at are, you don't realize how much the chef or chef owner has influence over other parts of your experience besides just what's on the plate. I mean, I think Christina at Hi Hi is a great example because if you look at her restaurants and, you know, I also stalk her on Instagram because she has (laughs) really cute dogs. So, yes. And she's amazing. But you look at you get a glimpse into her home and it's like you realize when you're eating in her restaurant, you're eating in 
her home. Right. Another version of her home. And that's not unique to, you know, that's, that's really common. And so chefs are always looking for ways to influence the whole experience. So I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I think when I ate at Grand Cafe, you just summed it up so perfectly. I felt like I ate in your home with your pink, beautiful dishware and your gold utensils and the wallpaper from your brother and all this stuff. You know what I mean? Oh, that makes me so happy. (laughs) But that is true that I... The experience, you know, when we're talking about dining out, it's not just food. And I know that, you know, that's been a huge part of the, you know, the dining culture because it creates experiences that people, you know, make a part of their lives. And you, I think what you've done is so unique in the Twin Cities because, you know, you've created a space that is elegant and sort of feminine, but not fluffy. You know, it's got such a good, like, real woman edge to it. And I feel like when I heard the news that it wasn't going to be in that spot, I was like, ugh, because you had created such a beautiful, actual physical space. Now, the difference, though, I think, is your boxes still evoke that same feeling because you take that experience of restaurant life and you infuse it into what I'm unpacking in my house. And that's in terms of the Spotify, you know, playlists and and, you know, like the flowers and all the extra stuff. Is that are you feeling like that's the same thing that you're going to carry forward in that same sort of theme? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like the the brand that everything we do really does come from our heart and soul. And, you know, we've been having pop ups at Grand for the last during the summer when we could be on the patio and things like that. And kind of making the decision of is this do we have longevity in this space, um, given all the you know kind of new circumstances and kind of looking at the space and realizing the space is beautiful and has so much history and soul but realizing it comes alive when we're existing there and when we're doing what we do there. And, um, you know, the same, we really shot for that with the boxes of we, okay, what is beautiful about dining? What is beautiful about food? And thinking of it um, from that perspective. And I mean, I've always as a chef said, okay, my job is to figure out what's delicious and what really brings us pleasure from eating and distill it down to its simplest form and its most elegant form and you know travel and learn about things that are really really good and bring that back and and you know distill down the parts of certain things that I love that are beautiful and it carries through to all that stuff just finding you know we work with Bill Somerville a lot um the sommelier who's just I I love yeah but Bill um, he always, he preaches, you know, dining needs to be an emotional experience. Yes. If it's not emotional. You're not doing it right. That's so true. It's so true, and yeah. it's so what I miss. It's what people miss, <laughs> I was going to say. That's because it feels so transactional when you're just driving up and grabbing and a box and going out. home. And then, and that's the hard part is like trying to find a way. And I think that's one of those things you guys are recreating that you're very cognizant of that. And so that's really, that's a huge piece of that. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you're so optimistic and that we're going to see you on the other side, friend. (laughs) Yes, you definitely can't get rid of me. What do you think? And just in terms of like, in your mind, thinking about what it's going to look like, you know, as far as something like a restaurant that is, what is it going to look like to you? Like what's in your mind, you say smaller and maybe, but what are some of the other things that you see that you're hoping for? Well, I think, you know, you're prob- everyone is probably hearing a lot about the financial models of restaurants are really tough. Yeah. Um, 
the the circumstances for workers can be and often are very challenging and we don't have a lot we don't have enough resources to take care of people the way we truly should we we're making headway all the time um but what restaurants really are learning and and have been sort of edging up to and then all of a sudden this pandemic happened and it's like okay let's just let's make these changes is we need more dynamic revenue streams um, you know, Tim Maver at Moochie's really blew my mind a few years ago when he started doing that with the frozen pizzas in the grocery store. Right, right. Having that other slightly passive revenue stream um, can take some of the pressure off the financial model and, and the staffing models of the actual business of running a restaurant. So I'm envisioning something more like a dining studio where our space serves us in doing some other some other pursuits and maybe we're open in the afternoon um, selling, you know, I love doing flowers, selling flowers, things like that. I see our meal kits as being um, a permanent thing that we do. Yeah. I I don't think there's never a time that you don't want to be able to grab a roast chicken, you know, on your way home from work, stick in the oven, have your house smell like roast chicken for 10 minutes put something on the table. You know, I don't think that ever is going to go out of style. So I I see a space where we can do more than just be in service. I love too, like when you think about chefs, like you can cook good, beautiful, delicious French inspired food, but I bet you can also cook other things. And like when a chef would open a second restaurant, that was the way that they expressed their second thing. I like that there's more creativity for you guys that you're not just stuck doing this one same thing over and over and over and over again too. Yeah, that's a really good point. And it's something we've, uh, you know, we're, we're like everyone, we're just seeking joy in any little corner we can find it. And, and, you know, we have, we have found some joy there. So we're thankful for it. Tell us a little bit quickly about Eastside because, you know, you guys are doing wood fired pizzas out of there and some fried chicken that I am extremely happy with. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Well, so Eastside has a great wood fire pizza oven. It's, you know, has been in the space forever. And so we just thought, let's find a way to really fully utilize it and do something that's simple. And that we, in the summer, we did La Pistola here, which we thought picnics are a great thing to do. And mm-hmm. okay, weather changes. So what are people going to want that's cozy and easy and comforting? And just pizza, fried chicken, and cheap takeout wine felt, felt like the right thing for downtown. Yeah, it totally does. Um, And then, so tell us, can you tell us a little bit about your pay it forward pizza thing? Because I think that's such an awesome program. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, So every uh, Thursday, our first day of service for the week, we're open Thursday through Saturday. We choose a person through Instagram and they, we order them a meal, our favorite items on the menu from Eastside. And we order it for them and send it to them via delivery. When they get their pizza, they get a card on top of it, and they can fill it out, pick their order, and choose a person for it to be delivered to the next night. And then that person gets a card, and it carries on. And it's just this, it's pizza, you know, it's really simple. But we can't spend time over the table passing food to one another and sharing a bread basket and a bottle of wine. Um So hopefully this is some version of that. I love this. I love this idea. And I'm all about, you know, however we can each 
put some good into the world for each other because there's so much, you know, there's so many people who are so fried and so frayed at their edges that they're willing to nip and pick and get angry so fast that I feel like this is the balance to that. This is this kind of thing is someone shows up at your house with a whole bunch of beautiful pizza for free. I mean, come on. How gorgeous is that? Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah, and you're right. Everyone is so afraid. It's just so hard right now. So. I know. Well, thank you so <laughs> much for being here, Jamie, yeah. and telling us about Grand Cafe, what's been going on, and what's the future, because you have left us. I, I feel I very, feel positive I feel very for the optimistic. first time in, like, 10 months. <laughs> <laughs> We're not closing. Spread the word. Spread the word. I love not it. closing. I love it. All right. Thank you so much, Jamie. We will talk to you soon, when uh, maybe in the new year, and talking about maybe some more of the fun stuff you guys got cooking. Sounds great. Thank you to you both. Thanks, guys. Okay, we'll be right back. Oh, yeah, Mariah. Bring it home. Have you heard, Steph, the song with her, Ariana Grande, and Jennifer Hudson? Um, I saw a clip of it because I heard that it was like a dog whistle, basically. Like the high-pitchedness of it all was like there were certain mammals that would not be able to register it. <laughs> it's so great, though. But I haven't heard the whole song. But it looks oh, like it looks like they are having a good time. It's wonderful, and I just love that. That I love that Mariah Carey, the diva herself, is the one to bring the cheer back to this season's Christmas. I feel like she has decided to wear the mantle, and it's good. She should. She should. She should be the queen the of Christmas. Number one downloaded song. I think. Are you a Are you a Love Actually watcher? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I'm not like psycho, wait. but I've already watched White Christmas. Have you? Yeah, okay. Kurt cried six I times. Did. Oh God, I don't. He cry starts that. crying before the part where he like where you'd think he would cry. He starts before that. Oh, buttermilk yeah. and liverwurst or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Men like for him that like crying at movies is an acceptable place to cry. Oh yeah. So, oh, I like, suppose okay. Yeah, he like that's his jam. I watched Scrooge last night. <laughs> that makes me cry. No. Yes, Scrooge, at the very you're end. You're not supposed to yes. just laugh. No. Hey guys, this was that song you were talking about a second ago. Oh, will you play just a little bit? Yeah, it's fantastic. I wish I could video you, you guys dancing right now. Oh, I, <laughs> in a tank top because she's so hot. I, I did. I put a story up. It's like boiling hot in here. I'm in a red tank top. That's like my workout wear because yeah. that's all we wear now. And right? now you're jamming. That's yes. a good song. Okay, I'm it's here fantastic. for it. It's fantastic. I'm here for it. Are you going to watch, like, do you load up the Christmas movies? By the way, this is the Ask Stephanie portion of the show. We're just talking. <laughs> if you need a gift idea or if you I mean, want to ask us an actual cooking question. About gifts and stuff later. But I'm just saying, the movie thing is real because I last night, so I, normally I watch Die Hard when I put the tree up because that is a Christmas movie. It is. And uh, I didn't this year and it was because it was on the back, because I did it right after Thanksgiving, and I don't know, it just got all frenetic, and I didn't watch it, and I feel weird. I finally get to see my kid in my home today, Okay, because she's gotten her negative test, and she's been quarantining, so she's coming over in my house, Yeah, and we are going to decorate the tree. The New Standards Holiday Show would have traditionally been last night, which is the start of my Christmas. Yep. I would normally be here feeling a little less fine than normal. Mm-hmm. They did release an album, yeah. so I downloaded it and Good. I bought the CD. So tonight, Ellie's going to come. I'm going to get takeout, oh, what and are you we're going to do the Christmas tree. Do you know I what? am doing a chicken wing box. I have been feeling wings, and there's uh, Ellie's going to come with her girlfriend Kate. So yeah, we're doing a chicken wing box and burgers wrapped in foil. Burger, from where? From uh, what is it? Red Cow. It's oh. that 
that new thing. Oh, the, the, red ki- the virtual kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. yeah, the Kenwood kitchen. Yes, that's what it's called. That <laughs> I pick up at Red things, Cow. Uptown. But it's a Red Cow delivery. Good. What I could, I ordered it like three days ago, which I do like that too. Restaurants, if you can order like a head, so yeah, you can most make a plan. Of them you can. Yeah, I know. That was I was really... actually thinking about heading over to Cook St. Paul this afternoon because you know they have a pop up there from Cafe Astoria. Yes, and they're doing a side hustle. They have some Filipino breakfast sandwiches that look. I mean, I, if I can get some serious good. Oh, we have a couple callers. So (laughs) our producer, Grant, will get our callers situated for us. Are we ready for them? Yeah, we've got Joan right now, and she's got a gift about a uh, question about a gift. Excuse me. Hi, Joan. Hi, Stephanie's. I love, love, love you guys. So thanks for uh, every Saturday making my day bright. Thank you. Okay, question. I have three sisters, and every year we do sister gifts, Mm -hmm. and we try and do local or you know, good books or something like that. This year, we probably are not gathering, so right. I want to drop at their homes uh, a gift package, and maybe it's more of a family thing than just for my sisters. And you guys always talk local. I've bought Joanna's. I've bought um, uh, the spices, everything you guys talk about. But um, Northman Distillery, I think you say, have a cocktail kit. And then I'm thinking like a charcuterie tray or something along those lines. Any any ideas of local things I can put in this box? Okay. Well, I will tell you that I've loved I've loved the little boxes of charcuterie trays from a girl called Gray's Local. And there's a lot of them you can find. Jametta Raspberry from Gr- House of Gristle has some too. But Gray's Local uh, was one that I really thought was put together nicely. And, uh, you know, just it had all the great salamis and nuts and cheeses and apples and honey. And it was beautiful. That was my favorite charcuterie kit. Do you, what's your favorite I was just going to say, and this is uh, kind of one of my top twos coming up, but I'll just let the cat out of the bag. Um, Certix has a virtual holiday party bag. And it comes with a bottle of something and it comes with charcuterie and it's got it's all wrapped up with a nice little tag. So it's pretty easy to pick up and to drop on someone's doorstep. Or if you're doing like a virtual family party and you want to like get everyone the same thing before the party. That's a great idea. Also, like bundles. I know France 44, that reminds me, does like they do like a cheese bundle for you and they'll pick a whole bunch of cheeses for you. The kind of like the way that you like it. And then you can grab also with them. They have tote bags, too, and you can grab bottles of wine to go with it and last but certainly not least joan food building i mean red table meats alamar cheese uh, bakersfield flour and bread they've got a beautiful beautiful box a beautiful spread oh once again you guys are awesome Woo! we like to win we like to win that question on to the next one producer grant all right we've got pam on and she's got a cooking question how you doing pam hi pam hey pam hi there Hey, I'm a caramel maker, and I can't find caramels unless I order them online. Do you have any suggestions? Do you want to uh, you want to pick them up locally? Correct. Okay. And I like the cellophane that twists and yeah, easy to do. Um, okay, I just saw these uh, duck fat caramels that are again at Certix because I was just there yesterday. And they're in a box, and they're really delicious. They're made with um, goat's milk, actually. Oh, I love those. That sounds great, but my question is, I make the caramels. I need the wrapper. Oh, Oh, so you just want wax paper? (laughs) No, I want cellophane that twists when you hold it. It'll hold a twist like a professional candy. So either Cooks of Crocus Hills or Kitchen Window. 
any of the um, the professional like cooking. Yeah, I would call Crooks of Coca Cola and see if they have some for you. Okay, sounds great. All right, right. good luck, and still go. Go buy those goat goat caramels because they're pretty good. That just killed me. All right, 651-641-1071 if you want to ask a question. Some questions came in. Okay, Hanson, you mentioned freezing whipped cream. Did you mean whipped cream or did you mean whipped cream liquid? Please answer by email. So non-whipped cream. (laughs) Yes. Okay, here's what I said. So if you whip cream, like we had pumpkin pie, right? We whipped the cream. We had extra whipped cream left over. I learned that you can like dollop spoonfuls of this said whipped whipped cream on like parchment paper or your sill pad or whatever, and you put it in the freezer. And then when it's frozen, you take these frozen hunks of whipped cream dollops and you put them in like a Ziploc bag and you leave them in the freezer. And when you want to have like a hot cocoa or something, you have this already pre-done frozen whipped cream blob that you throw on the top of your drink. I want you to test that on the backside for me because I feel like it's going to be rubbery. No, it works. Did you do it? Yes, oh. totally. And it and it came out and it was still airy? Yes. It's like a whipped cream meringue. Yeah, but it it's, totally it's works. A, it's got to have changed consistency from actual whipped cream. Well, maybe when it melts, but it's in your drink. Bye. <laughs>